for little creatures. All creatures welcome. This is the warm-up with Warlow and Moons. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the warm-up for another week. My name's Matt Wooler. No Cam Mooney in the studio. He's going to join us on the phone in just a moment because, uh, he, well, he was shook uh, Wednesday <laughs> night when he took on Tommy Bell Chambers, who looked like a giant in comparison. Uh, filling in for today's show, this morning's show, is Adam Cooney Coons. Welcome to you, mate. How are you doing? Good morning, Wooler. I'm, I'm doing better than Moons. It's fair to say. Uh, there was a fair weight discrepancy between the two, it, it must be said. So I'm, I'm assuming I'm filling in for Moons because he's still on the canvas at Margaret Court. Well, he could be, but he's going to join us in, in just a moment. In fact, in his defence, he did pencil in that he was unavailable Wednesday morning. So he either knew what was coming or was running scared. Could be both, <laughs> well, to be honest. given the 30-kilogram weight difference, you probably could have thought uh, it was coming, but Moons is pretty sharp, and I thought he looked good. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting his uh, synopsis yes, uh, and his review on the fight. But, he um, uh, did get a good shot in early. We'll talk. Oh, a bit, really good one. A really good one, but then was rocked a little bit later on. The fight was ended, but we'll touch on that a little bit later on when he joins us. Mark Bosnich is going to uh, join us on the phone too. Last weekend of the Premier League, Champions League coming up, FA Cup, heaps of football soccer news to get to, so we'll uh, speak to Bozza. He's always a bit of fun, and also to our local footy update coming your way. Some news, though, during the week, Coons. Well, how have you been going, mate? You've sort of worked back into normal society yeah. since being back. We had you on the show a couple of weeks ago, coming back from the uh, jungle. Yeah. How's it, all, how's it, how's it uh, been back in Geelong or back in Victoria? Oh, it's great. It's great to be back in Geelong. Yeah. I don't head up to Melbourne too often, just when the footy's on. So I haven't spent a lot of time back up there, thankfully. So uh, it's been great to get back into Geelong. The community uh, voted for me a lot. So I thank them again. <laughs> so the Geelong crew uh, got my votes in, which nearly kept me to the end of my jungle experience. But uh, yeah, settled back into life really well. I've managed to see three weeks of footy now. So the season is is unfolding nicely in front of us. I think we're starting to see the contenders um, and the pretenders. So um, maybe we'll we'll go over that a little bit later. But life's good. I I did. I mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago with you boys that I dropped eleven kilos. So yes. Safe to say, I'm nearly back to my playing <laughs> weight. <laughs> yeah, I put on about six in the last three weeks. Back to your so social weight. It's, it's been a solid. It's been a solid three weeks. You can. I would bit raspy in the voice as well because I, I think my body's shutting down on me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, about to collapse. Well, we're going to get to your – well, Moons is normally six-pack, but Coons is six-pack coming up. We'll touch on some of the better teams getting around. Just want to touch on the coaching merry-go-round before we get to Cam Mooney in just a second. Hardwick leaving this week. Clark obviously stepping aside um, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Yep. What was your first reaction with Hardwick stepping down? For mine, it felt um, – sort of premature, and I thought maybe if they were going a bit better, he'd stick around. That's easy to, in hindsight to say, but he's he's pulled the pin pretty early. Premature quickly. for me, and, and quickly. It, it was certainly a shock. There's not m- many coaches that, one, uh, pull the pin themselves. Generally, they have to get dragged out of there. Like most players, when they're uh, over 30, they yeah. keep thinking they've got one more <laughs> year left in them, and eventually they have to get the boot. But it was a shock, particularly because I thought Richmond, over the last couple of weeks, started to get their game back to a level that could possibly play finals. And obviously the loss on the weekend at Dreamtime hurt them. But I thought that the footy that they were playing was some of the best that they uh, they have all year over the last couple of weeks. I don't know who it was, but someone said last week before the Essendon game that they were back. Some experts said they were back. If they beat Essendon last Saturday night, is he still coaching? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he would have. Yeah, I, I think that where Essendon sat, and the footy that Richmond were playing, I guess he thought that, well, I've given everything that I could here. I've tried to get the boys uh, um, up over the last three or four weeks, and 
he's cooked. And when you're cooked, you're cooked. So <laughs> it's a pretty courageous decision in a way to step down even before the mid-season break, knowing that there's a lot of footy to be played for the rest of the year. Like if he goes and somehow this caretaker coach manages to uh, find a little spark in this well, Richmond this side the and then they make the eight. Yeah. And then Damien Hardwick sitting back thinking, well... Well, I probably pulled the pin a bit early here. Yeah, Andrew McWalter is the new coach or standing coach. Well, that's just as shocking as Damien Hardwick actually standing down in the first place. Because they've got some senior assistants in that club that could have taken over, but he's uh, been given the opportunity, I guess. Oh, I, I can only So Ben Rutten's back at Richmond now. Obviously, he's uh, had head coaching experience at Essendon. So likely you would think that he would be the main man to step in. Maybe they asked him and he said, no, I've had that experience. I do not want to be in that that hot seat again. I've had enough. So Andrew McCulter, maybe he was the the last man, the the Bradbury. Yeah. Stephen Bradbury. Everyone else said no. Everyone else fell over and and Minnie McCulter said, okay, I'll do it. It's an interesting one because it's a fair chunk of time to actually put your own take on the coaching role and also put your name within the mix of taking over for next year. So absolutely, um, so, he's obviously got aspirations to do that, so we'll wait and see what happens. One man who's always under pressure when a coach leaves, particularly one who's had success, um, <laughs> Clark obviously leaving Hawthorne now at North Melbourne, yep. uh, Hardwick leaving the Tigers, is Stewie Jew. And he was asked this week about how his name gets brought up all the time when a big-name coach leaves a club. This is his reaction. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, well... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he thought it was that funny. <laughs> well, listen, one more time. <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's funny, isn't it? I don't, a nice little high-pitched laugh, but yeah. certainly I don't think he found that humorous. But no, please leave me alone. He's always the man, isn't he? Poor Stewie Jew. And he's doing a pretty good job with the Gold Coast Suns, it must be said. They're starting to um, look like a dangerous side, and they should be further ahead and further advanced than what they are. We understand that. But uh, that's, uh, that's not a coaching situation at the Gold Coast Suns. It never has been a coaching situation. It's been how they drafted, how they recruited, and then a culture problem since their inception and life on the Gold Coast, I think. like Name me a successful sporting side on the Gold Coast. um, Yeah, on the the Gold Coast. Or the Sunshine Sunshine Coast. (laughs) Yes. Well, none, I don't think. I mean, the Titans, I guess, have held their own in the the, the NRL over the last few years, but they've always been a bit of a disappointment too. So they've had... Soccer teams through there. They've had basketball teams through there. Yep. They just haven't worked. They've had three or this is about the third or fourth different rugby league team. So yeah, yep. it's a bit of a um, it's tough. The only thing, sport. the only sport that is extremely successful on the Gold Coast is surfing, and how many individual surfers yep. uh, come out of there because that's the lifestyle up there. Yep. And they lost their only World Tour event too. So Snapper Rock's not even on the World Tour anymore. Yeah, so so there you go. So it's falling apart. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of falling apart, let's get to this man. Okay, gentlemen, three rounds of boxing. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it clear. Bad mind structures at all times. Defend yourselves at all times. Back to your corners. Cam, stay down, stay down. There you go. Uh, Wednesday night's fight. Uh, Tommy Bell Chambers and Cam Mooney. Moons joins us on the line, mate. Do you remember much of that final moment? Yeah, g'day, boys. No, I do. I feel absolutely fine. Um, no, it was, look, it was a pretty good fight. I thought, um, look, the big fellow, he just was too big for me in the end. Had 100, uh, what do you have, 20-odd kilos on me and just Blessed. had a big reach, turns, as you know. And when they've got that reach, it's just very hard to get in and under and, 
in all honesty, I didn't have the legs uh, to probably bounce in and out like I would have probably 10, 15 years ago. So, um, look, I thought it was a pretty good fight. We, I landed some big shots on, the, on him, but he's just too big. He just wouldn't go down for me, Ken. No, well done, Moons. It was terrific to watch. I paid my $59, so uh, there's a couple of dollars into your kitty from Thank me. So, much, and it was, it was well worth the money. You've been training uh, a long time for this. It was something that you always wanted to do. And uh, you have to have an amazing amount of courage just to step in there, particularly against a guy who's got... 25 kegs on you so so well done but look, look, I want to can you take us into the rooms before walking out how were you feeling uh, I was feeling pretty good actually I mean the warm-up was great the, the preparation was, was fantastic uh, in saying that I was sparring with bigger blokes uh, for the for the lead-in and I probably knew in my heart too that I was probably going to be in trouble because I just <laughs> as I said I just didn't have the legs to get in and out um, to get in there and get some shots in and then get out of there. Um, just, you know, I'm 43 years of age, so I probably thought to myself, if he's any good, he's probably going to land a few on me. And uh, we'll talk to you before. He just had that right arm cocked for the whole night. <laughs> and he was just good enough to keep me at bay with his left and then just throw his big right. Um, and said, I wore a few. Um, he wore a couple. I hit him with a couple of absolute beauty. Yeah, he and did. I was, I was actually shocked that he stood up. And when he didn't go down, because I thought, oh, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I'm in strife here. <laughs> Mate, just... so I reckon nine times out of ten, most other blokes would have fallen over. Take us um, back Take us back a step, Moons. You, you come out to never walk alone, Liverpool supporter. We spoke about it on the show. Forget yeah. the fight for the moment. How was, that, how was that feeling coming out? Mate, it was awesome. Because in the, in the tunnel, uh, Tyson Fury was in the tunnel, and he gave me a big high five and a hug, and he said, good luck, son. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking kid. to myself, as is, I've got Big Tyson Fury giving me high five. I had uh, the Zoo Boys um, both giving me high fives on the way out. I thought this is pretty cool. Um, I was just wish I was, yeah, I wish I was obviously ten or fifteen years a bit younger and um, just had the legs under me to really enjoy the, enjoy the moment more. But um, but no, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was something that I, uh, yeah, everything that I dreamed of. It was amazing to walk out in front of all those people. Um, to walk out to Never Walk Alone was pretty cool. A lot of the people were singing with it. Um, so that was, yeah, it was great. It was, it was incredible, really. So, Moons, for those of us who has, haven't been rocked and haven't been hit like that, the, the first, uh, I think it was the first round after you hit him with a beauty, uh, a nice right, then he got you and you sort of stumbled a little bit and hit the canvas. Yeah. At that stage, uh, was that a big hit? What were you thinking then? And then no, talk us through after it. No, he did clip me on that one, but that's, again, we're not talking about just didn't have my legs. That was just off balance. And then I just couldn't get my balance back and then just fell over. And then I did a, then I had a clip as well. Um, so, no, the first two were probably just me falling over more than him hitting me. Um, but definitely on the last one, he clipped me. And I reckon I saw black for about half a second. And then uh, on the way down, I was looking at him on the way down. I went, damn it, he got me. Moons, for you, what next? Uh, is it? sort of giving you a bit of hunger to go again somehow, or is that it? Oh, God, no. No, not at this stage, <laughs> mate. Um, like I said, I always wanted to do it, and I, I haven't done it at the right age, but I wanted to do it. Um, I thought I boxed pretty well, um, but he was just too big for me. Uh, too big and too strong, and he did really well, Tommy. I actually spoke to him on the phone a couple of days ago. Um, we caught each other, had a chat for about 20 minutes, had a bit of a laugh, and 
talked about our preparation and all those type of things because obviously we didn't get to do that in the lead up because you got to act like you don't like each other and <laughs> all of those type of things. But um, no, definitely that, that's it for me, mate. I've uh, I've ticked off the bucket list um, and I am absolutely done. Uh, well done. It was an amazing career, Moons. Uh, <laughs> I watch you down at Wildfighter with Will Tomlinson and you look really sharp in the ring. So well done. Have you got? Can you have you got any explanation as to why Will Tomlinson keeps ringing me? I've had another missed call at eight o'clock this morning. Mate, I'm telling you, there might be another opportunity. <laughs> I mean, no limit were fantastic. No limit were fantastic, and they really want to bring fights down to Melbourne. You can see the crowd and who it brought to Melbourne, uh, just how big it really was. So they're going to bring more. Uh, more fights to Melbourne and turns. I'm telling you, if you can get someone who weighs about your size, not 25 kilos more. Well, he's sort of fluxing a bit at the moment between um, the jungle weight and society weight. I don't know where he's... I'm about the same as Big Bell Chambers, I think. (laughs) Well, mate, he might be your next opponent. Oh, no, thank you. Moons. that big right hand. Well done, mate. You did the show proud. Um... It was, a, it was a tough battle, but you uh, you held your own well. You got a couple of good shots in there. Well done, mate. Go and rest up over the weekend. I'm sure you've got plenty of work to get to, but uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning. On your own show. On your own show. Thanks, mate. Cam Mooney joining us on his own show uh, this morning, which is fantastic. Great to give up a few moments <laughs> of his time after uh, what was a, a big bout on Wednesday night. Still to come, we're going to take a look at... Cooney six-pack in just a moment. And Mark Bossage is going to join us very soon as well, the last weekend of the Premier League. Listening to the warm-up, thanks to Little Creatures. All right, grab a pizza or any schooner every Wednesday and Thursday at Little Creatures Geelong for just $25. Little Creatures, all creatures welcome. For Little Creatures, all creatures welcome. This is the warm-up with Warlow and Moons. Adam Cooney in the house this morning for the warm-up. All thanks to Little Creatures. All Creatures welcome. Bozza, Mark Bozza is going to join us very soon to go through. Well, there's a busy period. The Premier League finishes this weekend and so much European football to come over the next two weeks as well. And Coons is going to have his six-pack thanks to Little Creatures very oh, soon. It's been a while since I've had a six-pack. This early on a Saturday. <laughs> oh, well, maybe not. Uh, anyway, so let's take a look, though, yeah. at the weekend preview. Some big games coming up uh, this weekend, Coons. First, I want to touch on one this afternoon that... I guess has a bit of bearing on the top four. The D's, well, they're just going. You might have them better than what I've got them at the moment, but they've got a couple of big outs this week, including Clayton Oliver, who is out injured. Lockie Hunter will miss through suspension. Michael Walters um, goes out for the Dockers. How do you see the Demons' form at the moment? I like the Demons' form. Uh, We were talking off-air, and you sort of raised your eyebrows when I said that the D's were travelling okay. But I believe that Port Adelaide is a premiership fancy and for the D's to go over at Adelaide in pretty uh, hard conditions and just about beat them, I, I thought um, did them um, did them okay, did them okay. So oh, I know they've got a couple of outs, and Fremantle have been in in pretty good form too. Like they've won their last three pretty convincingly. So this is this is the game of the round for me. Uh, if Melbourne can win and 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 win well with a couple of big outs, particularly through the middle of the ground, as you mentioned, then um, they firm right up into sort of top five, top six calculations. Uh, we are going to go over the six-pack uh, shortly. So we don't want to touch it too much, but Jackson uh, against his old team, taking on Grundy and also Gorn, which is going to be an interesting one too. It will be an interesting one. Uh, I've heard 
Stephen May speaking about Luke Jackson during the week, yeah. and he said that most players coming up against their old side would be pretty nervous and look. the first thing they look at in the calendar is when am I coming up against the old mob? And he's the complete opposite guy of that, Luke Jackson. He said that he'll be calm, he won't even care, he won't have thought about it at all. So that's the kind of guy Luke Jackson is, and he's in some reasonable form too. Yeah, so. it makes a difference. He was a slow starter. There was, some, uh, I guess... Um, a bit of concern around if he could go forward and take those marks. And in the first three, four weeks, that just wasn't the case. But now he's sort of found that form looking okay. Um, Darcy's rucking well as really well. well. So you've got also, all of a sudden, you've got that double-prong attack where you didn't have it a few weeks ago. Similar, I guess, to what Melbourne are trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's working reasonably well at the Ds as well with the, the Grundy-Gorn combination. So uh, they have played Luke Jackson in the middle of the ground as a genuine on-baller as well with Darcy in there. And I like the look of that because he's so agile and he bursts through packs and he's starting to get that game going forward of centre now as well, which no doubt Fremantle would want. And uh, Fife back playing full games now. Um, we'll see where he plays, if he spends some more time in the midfield or or goes forward, that will uh, remain to be seen. But again, he's such a weapon. If you do put him in the goal square, you need to pay him the ultimate respect. So it's uh, just another one for Fremantle fans that they'll be happy with. Yeah, bit of a danger game for the Ds, but it'll be interesting to see how they hold up without Clayton Oliver in the mix this weekend. Let's touch on a couple of the other bigger games for the weekend. Um, we've got Tigers and Port for me tomorrow afternoon. More so because Port Adelaide are in some good form to come to the MCG. But the Tigers, of course, with Damien Hardwick stepping away, they'll want to put on a, a good show as well. They will. The, the caretaker coach, quite often you get a spike in performance when the new coach comes in. And Port Adelaide, well, if they want to win the flag, they don't get too many opportunities to play at the home of football, the MCG. So Kenny would be pumping them up to say, look, get used to this, boys. Hopefully it's not the last time we play here for the year. And they win, I think, and they win pretty comfortably if they want to be taken um, seriously as a contender this year because unfortunately I mentioned how well they played last week against Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval but uh, they don't play the grand final there so they need to win and win well on the MCG and hopefully for Port Adelaide supporters get used to those conditions come finals time and another interesting one for me is the last game of the weekend it's the Crows hosting the Brisbane Lions the Lions are in some unbelievable form they look like um, you know they're going to so up a top four position, if not top two, sitting second behind Collingwood uh, as we speak. But the Crows, who are in eighth at the moment, yep. they've been in some great form. They were pretty ordinary last week against the Dogs Horrible. in Ballarat. Horrible. And previous to that, they've been quite good, but they probably haven't got over the line in a couple of games where they probably should have. Yep. And so they're probably a couple of games back to where they'd like to be. So this game's massive in terms of where we see the Crows for the rest of the season. It is. And the Crows are obviously so much more comfortable playing on their home deck, they get um, Walker, Thilthorpe and Duday back in. So they really missed those tolls in Ballarat last week. They just had no one to kick to and could get no flow working into their game. I thought they were gallant against the Cats at GMHBA Stadium a few weeks ago. Like They're a hard team. Brisbane are a tough team to play against as well. We understand that. Um, ground balls, I think they're the number one intercept ground ball team in the competition, Brisbane. And Matthew Nix wants to emulate that. So it's going to be a challenge for Adelaide. Uh, it's obviously tough for any team travelling to Adelaide. But uh, I like the way they're playing. I think they're hard. They just lack a little bit of polish. But the tools back into the side, I think, will help. Moons' six-pack. For little creatures, all creatures welcome. It is the six-pack. All thanks to Little Creatures. All Creatures, welcome. We're going to change the intro, but it was too close to bother uh, <laughs> Coons and Moons. So uh, this week, just fire through your top six in your six-pack this week. All right, so my six-pack is the teams that have been most impressive in the last three weeks since I have returned from South Africa. 
Yes. So I watched round one and then missed a bulk of footy, came back, and the ladder looked completely different. Who surprised you the most to what when you I came out of the jungle? Well, I think St Kilda were in the top three or four. Or even top. At that stage. Might have been top. Yeah, Richmond were down the bottom of the, of the ladder and yep. Fremantle were really struggling. So it had, the ladder had sort of turned on its head. It's starting to even itself out now. But uh, my six teams that have been most impressive over the last uh, three weeks since I've been out, I had Frio at number six. Okay. okay, so there was a lot of doom and gloom about Fremantle when I got out. Now I'm playing horrible footy, season over. Well, they've taken care of their last three opponents easily over the last three weeks. And the footy that they've played has been really impressive. So, got Melbourne at number five. Um, I know they lost last weekend against Port Adelaide in the wet. Clayton Oliver is injured. Um, but I, I still think they've got the tools and, and, and the form over the last three weeks. to. They're sitting in the four. I still think they're a genuine premiership chance as well. I've got the dogs in at number four. Uh, again, when I got out, the, the dogs were struggling a little bit. They've got their game rolling over the last few weeks, and um, they look as good a side as any. Three Brisbane um, flying. Um, they'll be there when the whips are cracking at the end of the year. I've got two Port Adelaide. I think uh, I, I love the way that they're, they're playing at the moment. Their midfield brigade. Um, we understand the, the the three kids that are flying at the moment. None better than Zach Butters. One of the games of the year we saw from, from an individual last weekend. Yep. Um, if he can emulate that, I still think that if uh, that Port Adelaide need to make the grand final for Ken to yep. to stay on as coach next year. But I, I think they're they're a really good chance to do that. And I think the the number one side is Collingwood. Uh, they have been the best team all year and the last few weeks uh, have been rock solid as well. So uh, that's my six-pack of teams that have impressed me since I got out of the jungle. Grab yourself a six-pack at Little Creatures Geelong. There you go. And also to order up, grab a pizza or any schooner every Wednesday and Thursday at Little Ooh. Creatures for just 25 bucks. Little Creatures, all creatures welcome. Sounds good to One me. One man who is a, a unique beast creature is Mark Bosnich <laughs> and he joins us next. For Little Creatures, all creatures welcome. This is The Warm-Up with Warlow and Moons. Welcome back to the warm-up. All thanks to Little Creatures. All Creatures, welcome. Well, it is a big weekend in the world game with the Premier League wrapping up for this season. Man City are champions, and there's still a fair bit to play out for the rest of the season. A lot of cup matches coming your way, and a big relegation battle this weekend. And one man who knows all about it, and from Stan Sport, is Mark Boss. It's Bozza. Thanks uh, for joining us, mate. How are you doing? Very, very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Very good. Now... A huge weekend. It's not a title-deciding weekend. We know City have got the title, but there's plenty to play for this weekend. Uh, Arsenal, obviously, were leading by a stretch uh, a couple of months ago. They've fallen over. City have just romped in in the end. What have you made of this season? I think it's been an excellent season. Um, you know, it's, it's especially you know following COVID. Uh, you know what you know what occurred during that time. We know how all sporting competitions around the world were, were interrupted. And the other thing as well was the World Cup. That was always going to be. Uh, a, a little bit of a curveball for everyone. There's never in the history of, of our game had a World Cup in the middle of a, of a European season. So overall, I think it's been an excellent season for a variety of reasons. I think Manchester City have been absolutely phenomenal, joy to watch, um, really well managed uh, by Pep Guardiola and the emergence of Arsenal. Um, you, you mentioned that they, yes, they faltered, only won two of the last eight games. But I think if you speak to every Arsenal supporter around the world, the first thing that they would say is, yes, I'm disappointed. But the second thing they would say, if they really look deep down, is to say, if I said to you at the start of the season, back in you know August, that, by the way, come May time, you're still being contention for the title, they would turn around and say, you're, you're absolutely dreaming. So overall, 
they can feel very, very satisfied with their with, with their performance. They're back in the Champions League. Uh, there's been other teams like Manchester United who've still got the FA Cup final to, to play. It secured their place in, in the top four this morning with a 4-1 win over Chelsea and Newcastle as well. Eddie Howe's men, um, yes, people will say, oh, well, you know, the, the Saudi Arabian uh, investment fund have brought them. But the bottom line is you still are only allowed to spend two-thirds of your total income on the wages. So uh, they've done an excellent job. Aston Villa, my old team as well. After Unbelievable. To, yeah, after changing managers, you know, Emery have put themselves... Uh, Brighton as well as another one, but we'll get to them. But they should still be in the European place depending on how West Ham go in the Europa League final and Manchester City go. So there's all those types of stories. And unfortunately, there's some, there's some really you know, sad stories at the bottom. Southampton will be relegated. And, uh, you know, there will be either the two L's, Leicester and Leeds, or Everton to join them. Right at this moment in time, it looks as though that Leicester and Leeds are favourites. Well, let's talk about those last three games. Everton, Bournemouth, uh, Leeds, Tottenham and Leicester City and, and West Ham. You gave us a, just a little prediction there, but how do you think those three play out? Well, look, they're, they're all three that are at home. Um, and if you look at, say, Spurs against Leeds, um, Spurs are really, uh, they'll still out of pride, obviously, will want to win. So will Bournemouth. Uh, West Ham as well, they're in the final of the Conference League. So they'll probably want to have one last good performance. And they've got a duty to the rest of the league. Uh, to all those other teams that we just mentioned to make sure they put as good a performance as possible. So in terms of the toughness of the matches, all very, very even, all at home. But if you have a look at the points, really, it's, the bottom line is if Everton wins, they can't be caught. Now, if Everton happens to draw, that's when it's going to get interesting. Because if Everton draw, they're on 33, they'll go to 34. But their goal difference is worse than Leicester's, but better than Leeds. So the, the bottom line is they all know they'll have to win. Now, uh, again, Leicester and Leeds will have to win and then hope for a favour from Bournemouth to make sure they get, a, a, a well, at least a point, if not a win, in, in Leeds United circumstance. So it's a terrible situation to be in. In all my career, there was one season where we flirted at Aston Villa with relegation and we, we won about with two games to go against Liverpool at home. But it's the most it's the most daunting, most, uh, you could say, pressure-filled situation that you'd ever find yourself in. Exciting for the neutral, but when you're involved in it, it's not pretty at all. So... Uh, all three teams, like I said, would be fine. Right now, I think the two L's, Leicester and Leeds, are going to go down, which would be obviously you know, very, very disappointing for them. And they'll get three years of parachute payments from the Premier League, but it's not the same as being in the Premier League. Which is the big, biggest team to go down if any of those three were to go with Southampton? Is Everton the biggest? I mean, I know Leeds is a massive uh, Ever- club, Everton, but Everton Ever- uh, Yeah, Everton. I mean, I mean, Leeds supporters will disagree. And, and obviously yeah. Leicester, because Leicester won the Premier League while well, it was about seven years ago now. And Leeds have been a traditionally great club. But Everton's never been relegated. So uh, I would definitely say Everton will uh, will, will be the, the, the biggest. And they've got a new stadium on the way as well. So... Um, I, I would say Everton would be the biggest, the, the biggest out of the three. But like I said, both Leicester and Leeds fans have, have both got their cases to say, no, we are. Absolutely. A, a chance for a treble this year too for Manchester City. They've got the FA Cup final, as you mentioned, against United coming up very soon. But they, they take on Inter Milan in the Champions League. You'd think they'd be hot favourites for that. It's a, it's a big opportunity to, to get that treble and for them to finally get that Champions League trophy as yet. So it's their holy grail. Um, you know, when first Sheikh Mansour um, and uh, the people from United Arab Emirates you know, got involved, that's exactly what they wanted to do. They've come very close, and we've seen them in various semifinals, including last season, and unfortunately in the last couple of minutes go out to Real Madrid. They put this right this season. They've been in the final against Chelsea where they were favourites and they were beaten. 
Um, but this season, they're looking really, really, you could say, odds on um, to beat Inter Milan. But it won't be easy. Inter Milan have all season shocked people. They've got a lot of good players. They've got a good young coach in Felipe Inzaghi, who's won it before as a player as well. So it won't be easy for them. But I think a lot will depend on how they go in that FA Cup final. And I was saying this all along when they were coming with the running of the league. If they happened to get knocked out of the Champions League, it would affect their league form. They win that FA Cup final, then you can go with great certainty, in my opinion, uh, for them and to say, yeah, you know what, I might put some of my hard earn on them to win that final. If they lose the FA Cup final to Manchester United, I think the, the, the pendulum will swing a little bit more towards into Milan. But that will have a great bearing, that FA Cup final, in my opinion, what will happen in the final of the Champions League. Hey, Buzzer, what's your intel and your read on your good mate, Ange Postacoglu? What's, uh, what's the latest here? Well, well, very good. It's, it's always very good. He's done a, a marvellous job at Celtic, as we all know. Um, you know, he's looking at basically, what, five trophies in two seasons, which, okay, Scotland is not a, a top-tier league, but it's in the second tier, but it's still a wonderful achievement considering when he got there, the doubts uh, that were put across about him, which are understandable to an extent, but also the fact that Celtic had, had a bit of a rough period. And in terms of Spurs, I think that would be the perfect club for him. The reason being is that I don't think Spurs, if they put their hand on their heart and their supporters, can really honestly, brutally say that I'll be challenging for the title next season. So, okay, no problem. But they should be looking at getting in the top four, which they're more than capable of doing. Um, they also obviously got a brand new stadium, which they need to pay off. So they've got to be very careful in the amount of money that's spent. And Ange is, is used to working on a smaller budget. He did it at Celtic. He's done it before in his past when he was here. Um, not so much in Japan, funny enough, because the team they had in Japan were, were, were quite a wealthy club in terms of Japanese standards. And the most important thing that everyone who knows Ange and knows about his teams is that they play wonderfully attractive football. Now, for Tottenham Hotspur supporters, that's in the DNA of their club. They've always been known for that. So I actually think he would be the perfect fit. The, uh, the decision will be whether Ange thinks that that will be the perfect fit for him at this stage of his career. Because, you know, in, with Celtic, he'll be in the Champions League every year. Now, obviously, he'll be vying for trophies. I think you could say they'll be vying for trophies at Tottenham, but not to the extent they will at Celtic. And Champions League football is a little bit more, you could say, uh, dice is in the air at, at Spurs than it is at Celtic. So, big decision for him. And I think if he keeps going along the path that he's going, that, uh, that, that, that will be still there and thereabouts. But it will come down to the fact that if Celtic agree, they'll, obviously Spurs will have to pay some type of transfer fee. Um, to buy out his contract. And if Celtic say, well, okay, well, that's fine for us and Ange wants to go, then it will be all systems go. And it will be absolutely wonderful to see our first coach, an Australian, uh, Melbourneian, if you like, even though it kills me to say it, um, <laughs> and we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be coaching in, uh, in one of the premier sporting competitions in the world. Yes or no answer, Boz. Do you take the job if Harry Kane leaves? I, I think that, that would be his first call of business. And I think this is why it's good for both parties. In terms of Spurs, they'll get a lot of money for him. I would say minimum of £100 million to rebuild the squad. Uh, in the image of the new manager, whether it be Ange or somebody else. And from Harry Kane's perspective, he's gave wonderful service to Tottenham Hotspur. Being their top scorer, he's taken them to places that perhaps without him they wouldn't have been. But it's time for him to cash in because when you finish your career, you know, you can always lose your money. There's no doubt about that, okay? Uh, you know, money's just paper at the end of the day and it can go in various ways. But one thing no one can ever take away from you are the memories and the medals that you win when you're at a club. And he hasn't got well, he hasn't got any really. So, you know, it'll be really important in, in, if I was Harry Kane to be saying, I want to finish my career with 
a Champions League medal. Yeah, that is for sure. There's some big games coming up. As we mentioned, the FA Cup final, not too far away. The last weekend of the Premier League. Then we've got the Champions League. We've got the Europa League and the Conference Final as well. You can catch all the action of the big European trophies, the home of UEFA Champions League on Stan Sport, and catch Bozza in the pregame and during the match as well. Bozza, thanks for joining us, mate. It's going to be a couple of big weeks of football. Anytime, and have a great weekend this week in the AFL as well. For little creatures, all creatures welcome. This is the warm-up with Warlow and Moons. Still plenty to come this morning on the warm-up. Thanks to Little Creatures. We've got our marketplace coming out very soon. Adam Cooney and I will be picking or buying and selling what we think in the sporting world this week. But let's get into our local footy wrap. Local footy wrap for Times Footy. Your home ground for local footy. Visit timesfooty.com.au. From the Geelong Times, Vinny Van Allshot joins us on the line. Good morning to you, Vinny. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning to you as well, Matt. Doing well, doing well. Ready for another exciting week of football. Not that many games, though. No footy in the GFL this weekend. A bye. We've had, obviously, a bit of a mixed bag over the last couple of weeks. We've got a split round in the GDFL. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the BFL have got a full card of games coming our way. And some good games, in fact. One was sort of, I guess, penciling in as the match of the round is Drysdale and Torquay. Exactly. So the BFL sides are well rested heading into today, but this week's game of the week in the Bellarine is Drysdale taking on Torquay. It's going to be a really fun one, I believe. Two of the top three sides going at it. Torquay, seven of seven to start the year under Don Gleeson, while Drysdale has won five in a row under Ben Carmichael. They place themselves relatively comfortable in the top five as we approach the halfway point of the season. Torquay has been in too good a form to pass this one up, though, so I reckon they'll get up over the Hawks in that one. Newcomb and Modawari uh, will continue action in the Bellarine when they meet this week. Two of the Bellarine's struggling sides, but Modawari, in my opinion, has been somewhat underperforming to this point, so they should take that one. Uh, Geelong Amateur travels to Port Arlington this week, and they should keep themselves inside the top five for at least another round with a win over the Demons. Barwon Heads travels to the borough this week to clash with Queenscliff. Head, head coaches Sam Schaller and player coach Mitch Herbertson have done a terrific job with the Seagulls this season. They should remain just a win behind the Tigers through eight rounds and defeat the Cooters later today. But my upset for round eight in the BFL is going to be a shock win from Ocean Grove over a resurging Anglesey side that has done a lot of good things this season. Um, who will be and But for Ocean Grove, they will be keen to bounce back from their loss to Queenscliff a fortnight ago. Um, so I'm going to have to choose Ocean Grove in that one. All right. We uh, do ask you to give us a bit of an upset for the round. So uh, Ocean Grove is that one over Anglesey. Let's quickly take a look at the Geelong and District Footy League. Only three games this weekend, headlined by Inverleague and Werribee Centrals. Yeah, definitely. We had a terrific first half of round seven, but I'm expecting a, an up-to-par second round, second half of the round here. So a massive contest, Werribee Centrals taking on Inverleague at Inverleague Reserve in the match of the round. The Centurions have a chance to go into the top four with a win over the Hawks. But for Inverleague, they have struggled to find any sort of consistency this year and will consider this one a must win if they are to have any chance of making a late charge in the second half of the season uh, for a final spot. However, Werribee has just looked too strong to start this season. So I'll give them my tip for this one. And the rest of the JDFL this week, uh, East Geelong hosting Belmont Lions. East Geelong should get over the Lions on that one. 
Uh, and the upset of the GDFL this week will be at West Oval when Geelong West hosts Spano and the Giants, I reckon, will come away with that one. That's your local footy wrap for Times Footy. Get the latest footy teams and results online or receive them in your inbox for free every Friday and Monday morning. Visit timesfooty.au. Vinny, thanks for joining us, mate. Have a good weekend. Yeah, same to you, mate. Have a good one. Let's take a look at the marketplace this weekend in the sporting world. What are we buying and selling? Coons, you want to start us off? What are you What's impressed you? What are you buying this week? I'm going to purchase the Fremantle Dockers if they win against Melbourne this week. Can I do that? Yeah, you can. Can absolutely. I speculate and buy them after? Uh, you'd probably get them for a good oh, rate yeah. if you buy them now. Yeah. Do you want to buy right. them before or after? No, I'll, I'll speculate and I'll purchase <laughs> them now. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Fremantle Dockers over the last few weeks. I like the combination of... and I'm, I'm doubling up here. I apologise. Uh, but I love the combination of, of Darcy... Um, and the big fella, Luke Jackson. Uh, I'm loving Fife, who's going to get back to full fitness. I'm loving Schultz and Switkowski's pressure in the forward line, and their their back six is rock solid. So I think that uh, they've got the tools there, and the form is starting to build. So if Fife, well, you, you're not sold on Fife getting no, back no, to... No, 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 hopefully he gets back to Gee, full fitness. That's what I'm saying. Not not ability. I just hope he gets back to full fitness. Yes, well, so do I, and I think he will, and that's <laughs> okay. why I'm purchasing him. <laughs> Bobby Walters uh, yeah, is out, out so that'll be a big miss for him later on today. This week, I'm buying State of Origin. Uh, love oh, the State yes. of Origin, the Rugby League, Wednesday night in Adelaide. Love Wednesday Origin. Wednesday in New South Wales, uh, kicking off an Adelaide Oval. They sold Wednesday. all the tickets? Oh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I am buying because I really do enjoy the State of Origin. I do like Rugby League, but the State of Origin is elite. But okay. one thing this week, I just want to say, Tina Turner, what I am buying is her ad back in oh, 1989. Was simply the best. Simply the best ever, Lisa. We don't really have anything in the AFL world that matches that up there, Kazali. I know they're all great, but they're not really. Yeah. What was the, not an what iconic was the song, song that we used to play all the time when we used to do those ads that we'd flog into America and stuff? I can't even remember. Uh, Oh, no. The boys all are back in town when the preseason yeah, used to be back all on. All that's coming to me is the Mike Brady stuff that we yeah. reel him out sort of grand final week. Yeah. It's like, this weekend, Hawthorne and St Kilda at Waverley, the boys are back in town. The Ancestors straight there, Cup. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, that's what it used yeah, to be. But I'm buying no, State of Origin and Tina Turner. Yeah, that was iconic that from was Tina Turner. So may well she rest in peace. What are you selling? Selling this week, I'm selling the warning. Now, I know that Brad Johnson on Sports Day went with it this week, but I've been saying it for weeks, along with the bounce, but the warning for the 666. So, at the, as it stands, which I think has been a, a great inclusion to the game, after a goal, or start of the quarter, we've got six in the four line, six in defence, and obviously six in the midfield, which yep. breaks the game up. It um, reduces any flooding or putting players behind the ball. I think it's great. But why are we giving a warning if a club does it? That's what I don't understand. All of a sudden, we say, uh, warning to the Geelong Football Club, you've got too many in one certain area. And Ridiculous. now, I'm going to throw the ball up. I don't, yeah, I don't understand that either. Like, what <laughs> happens there? And it's the same when they do a dodgy bounce, <laughs> right? Uh, Righto, we've done a dodgy bounce. We've lost three seconds off the clock, and I'm going to throw it up. Yep. Like, what sort of sport would any other sport would do something like it's that? So get rid of the warning. I'm with Brad Johnson. I don't think we need it. He's saying have it for next year, Gorm. I say just get rid of it now. Yep, right. I agree with you. And I'd also sell the bounce as well. What oh, is the point go. of the umpire bouncing the ball into the ground, which actually disadvantages one ruckman every time? Yep. And anyway, just, all right, so what are you selling? It's a nice this little week? segue into mine. I'm selling the interchange infringement penalty. 
which is a huge penalty if you yeah. go over your interchange by which one. Which is 75. Which is 75. So, obviously, it costs, arguably, cost North Melbourne the game on the weekend. It is a free kick and a 50-metre penalty. Yep. It's not like there's an extra player on the ground. It actually doesn't change or affect the game in that very moment. So, I think it should be a fine. And you can give them a hefty fine, make it fifteen grand or thirty grand for the club if they go over, because there's a warning for the six six six, which can which means you can have an extra man in defence, which affects the outcome of the game way more than one player being interchanged in the last thirty or forty seconds of the game. What about if a club that's got plenty of money go? Well, we're just gonna we're gonna cop the fifteen grand fine and do this rotation. If they rotate one extra player, yeah. do, you, do you really think it makes that much of a difference? I don't personally in the last think, two minutes I don't of the think game. it does, but so that's, the rules that's in affected place. the outcome of a whole game. One person who came off uh, because they were concussed, and then they sent two players. So back, how back, much is a interchange rotation worth? Could you do five in the last quarter at five grand a pop? No, I'd say I'd say one is thirty grand. Okay. One, and it goes into yep. your soft cap. So if yep. if so if they have more than and you say clubs with a lot of money. So if clubs have two in a game, they go over two, that's sixty grand. That's a physio. That comes in on say two days a week, so, yep. and then and then it, it just goes up and up. So it, it, I'll guarantee you, if it happens more than once, then clubs won't keep doing it. If it comes out of your soft cap, they just need to have it's it's manic down there. Having sat on the boundary for a lot of years doing the boundary riding, seeing the players come back and forth, and the interchange stewards, yeah, they've, they've got, got no, no, they've got no, no. They've got but no there hope. was there was a warning, and it was a unique situation because a player came off with a head knock. Yep. So they sort of had to bring him off and then they had to send an extra one on. But that is such a harsh penalty for a really small part of the game that didn't affect yeah. what happened on field at all. All right, that's our marketplace this week. Uh, have your say. There you go. The warning and the interchange getting the boot this week. That is it for us, mate. Enjoy the footy. Where are you this weekend? Uh, home game for me, Cats, down at yep. GMHPA Stadium this afternoon. Beautiful. So that'll be a, a bit cr- of danger game. A few outs? Uh, a few outs, and the Cats aren't exactly flying at the Toby moment. Toby Green, 200th. Toby's 200th. They might lift for him. There you go. That is the warm-up for this Saturday morning. Hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to get the podcast. All thanks to little creatures. All creatures welcome. We'll catch you next week.